Welcome to Tamra Talk Circular, where we explore how businesses, municipalities, and governments are collaborating towards a circular economy. In the last few months, we've been reading and hearing a lot about how clothing brands and our retailers are planning to do their part in moving towards a circular economy. Things like take-back efforts or sneakers, handbags, and clothing made from recycled materials. But how much of these efforts are genuine and how much is greenwashing? What is actually happening in the world of textiles these days? I am very excited about this episode in which we will be talking about one of the hottest topics in recycling these days, and that is textile recycling. Joining me today is Louisa Hoyes, Business Development Manager, Textiles at Tamra. Having started her career with Veolia in 2015, Louisa joined Tamra in 2019, where she has taken full responsibility for developing the textile sorting application. As textile recycling continues to gain attention, Louisa engages with diverse stakeholders across the entire value chain and supporting the move towards a new circular economy for textiles. Louisa, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, me too. So let's get into this. Why are we hearing and seeing so much about textiles these days? So the textile sector is a really exciting sector at the moment. There's a lot happening and there's a big shift in the textile sector from what we've seen for the past up until now. Uh, We're really at a tipping point for the textile sector. Until now, it's been a very polluting, high consumption, very low recycling sector. It's been a very polluting material on our planet. The World Economic Forum identified fashion and its supply chain as the planet's third largest polluter after food and construction. The European Environment Agency recently stated that the sector is the EU's fourth largest course of environmental pressures after food, housing and transport. So when we think of the biggest polluters on the planet, we don't necessarily automatically think of textiles or the clothes that we wear as being one of those polluters. But it's an incredibly linear economy for textiles. It's a very take-make-waste economy that we have. Since the year 2000, clothing production has approximately doubled, uh, while the clothing utilisation or the time that we use that clothing for has seen a drop in 40%. So we're, we're buying a lot more textiles, we're using them for a lot less time, they're becoming waste a lot quicker, and we haven't had solutions to account for that waste. We haven't had outlets for that waste. 85% approximately of the textile clothing that we produce today ends directly in landfill or incineration. Less than 1% of the textiles that we produce today are fed back into closed loop fibre to fibre textile recycling solutions. So that means less than 1% of the textiles that we produce once they become waste actually end up being made back into new clothes. Less than 1%. That's, that's just dismal. It's a really staggering number when you think of it. Yeah. And it's, it, it just highlights the trend that's been happening in the last years of fast fashion. So we're overproducing very low quality, cheap textiles, and we're overconsuming them. 
and it's it's a very linear take make waste value chain okay so we know where we are where do we where do we start where do we begin to actually battle this make take dispose and and how do we do it right now yes so it's a very or it can be quite a doom and gloom picture if you look at the state of fashion and the state of the textile sector up until now but what is also really important to highlight is there's a huge amount of potential there there's a huge amount of potential available for us to take this waste that's ending directly in landfill and incineration capture those piles and mountains of textile waste that is ending in landfill or incineration and feed those into a new circular economy and that's very much what's happening right now in the textile sector there's a big shift away from this linear economy uh, and we're starting to build I would say just in the last 18 months to two years we're starting to build these brand new value chains for circular textiles There's many different cross-value working chain groups being set up, for example, Accelerating Circularity, who have been operating in the US and recently set up in the last year in Europe, um, and Textile 2030, for example. Both of those groups, and I believe there are more across the world, both of those groups are set up to bring together everybody in this existing value chain and in this new value chain to be developed, to bring them together to figure out how we build this new value chain. So traditionally, the textile sector, we have collection for textile, which typically focuses on collection for reuse. In Europe, we'll typically be most familiar with the on-street bins for textile collection, typically run by the charity sector, where you can take back your textiles that you you no longer use uh, and you can drop them off or you can take your textiles to a bring back site where they're collected um, they're manually sorted and they're manually sorted for reuse but one of the main things that needs to happen now is a reform in the collection system because we're typically only collecting textiles for reuse So we're seeing a decrease in the quality of the textiles so we're going to see a decrease in the amount of textiles that we can actually pick out and reuse. So there's increasing volumes of textiles that we could and should feed into a recycling system. And that's the circular economy and fibre to fibre textile recycling is a very new, very immature value chain. But there's a lot happening in the sector at the moment to create and build this new value chain. So just to recap, uh, Louisa, just to make sure I've understood you, If there were steps that you would say that need to be taken, we need to increase the collection of the materials. Those materials should be less available for reuse. They need to be more suitable to be fed into recycling solutions. Would that sort of sum it up? Yes, so we need to increase the collection of textiles. So if we look at Europe, just one third of the textile waste that we produce is actually collected through designated collection points. Two thirds of the textile waste that we produce in Europe ends directly in household municipal waste, which is destined for landfill or incineration. So we absolutely need to change the way We need to increase the amount of textiles we're collecting through, for example, separate collections. And we also need to, we need to first 
pick out what's reusable. So we need to, that will always be the first step for collecting textiles is to recover what's reusable, what we can resell as a textile to be used again. Then after that, we now need to focus on this new value chain that's evolving, where we prepare those non-reusable textiles to feed them into a high-value recycling system. Okay, and you've mentioned Europe a couple of times here. The focus seems to be on Europe. But I think we all know that that we have massive textile issues in Southeast Asia. Do you see anything happening there? Yes, absolutely. I think we've all seen, or a lot of us will have seen, the pictures of piles of textile waste in uh, illegal landfills in Chile, for example. So it's absolutely not an issue that's just contained within Europe. It's a global issue. Typically, we see post-consumer textile waste coming from Europe, but we we also have post-industrial waste. A majority or a lot of our textiles are produced in Pakistan or Bangladesh in Asia. So there we also have volumes of post-industrial textile waste, which is off-cuttings through the making of the textiles. We also have or we have had a lot of textiles ending in Southeast Asia due to due to waste exports. So it's definitely not a problem that's just specific to Europe, but because it's such a new value chain that's developing for the circularity of textiles, while we have the majority of the technology, the technological advancements for automized sorting, the technology developing uh, predominantly in Europe or Australia, the US. So while we're building this new infrastructure, we, we can focus and almost get it right here. And then we can, once we've developed those new systems, uh, we can look at what we can do with those resources that are have made it and are piling up in Asia and the rest of the world as well. Okay, so it's a matter of actually... EU, as as has often been the case, is is a front runner in the circular economy, getting getting it going here so that we can accelerate as quickly as possible, and then taking those solutions and transplanting them, and probably adjusting them for local situations so that you can get it working as quickly as possible in regions such as Southeast Asia. Yes, absolutely. We also see one of the biggest drivers to this new circular economy is legislation and so far Europe has been the front runner in the legislative push towards uh, sustainable and circular textiles so in March this year the EU set out the strategy for sustainable textiles which set out the pathway for us to achieve a more circular textile. So within that, there were a lot of different measures that were included, things such as harmonised extended producer responsibility for textiles across the EU, banning the destruction of unsold goods, including textiles, restricting exports of textile waste. So all of these measures are real drivers to making textiles circular. And I think legislation will be a really key driver of which countries will excel in making textiles circular. We also have other drivers towards circular textiles, such as sustainability. We've seen that in the last five plus years with plastic, where we've become a lot more eco 
aware of our plastic use. And I believe that that's also happening with textiles, where now consumers are now beginning to think consciously about what textiles they're buying. Are they sustainable? Do they come from sustainable sources? So there's the sustainability aspect and the consumer sustainability awareness driving it. There's the legislation Um, And I believe one of the biggest drivers as well towards this new circular economy for textiles are brands. We're now seeing many of the different brands making commitments to a certain percentage of recycled content going into their garments in the future, which is really interesting because at the moment we really have very little, very small volumes of recycled fibres or recycled materials available So brands will be a really big driving force behind ensuring that this new circular economy, this new value chain is built. And that new value chain means that we need to collect the textile waste. We need to automise the sorting of it so we can produce or provide um, pure, consistent feedstocks to these new recyclers that are developing processes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, subscribe, and turn on notifications. So it sounds like there's a lot to be done, but maybe you can kind of walk us through what what are we talking about when we talk about textile recycling? Do you do you actually make it into a new piece of textile or a new piece of clothing, or or what happens there? When we talk about textile recycling, we can look at it very broadly as two overarching recycling methods. So uh, that would either be mechanical recycling or chemical recycling. If we look at mechanical recycling first, that involves breaking down the clothing into its individual fibres so that those fibres can be uh, respun and to make a new yarn of recycled fiber so that would be a new yarn that can then be respun into a new garment so it's most applicable for cotton if you think of your cotton t-shirt or your cotton shirt once you are finished with that and it can be it's got a rip in it or it can't be used again as a textile garment you can feed that into a mechanical recycling solution where they will shred the cotton t-shirt and release the individual fibers once you have those individual cotton fibers you can then re-spin those individual cotton fibers into a new cotton yarn so that could go into making a new cotton t-shirt for example When you mechanically recycle or through that shredding process of the cotton, the cotton fibres typically shrink, which leads to a decrease in quality of those fibres. So it typically requires the addition of virgin cotton fibres to go back into that. There's a lot of work going on to look at how to mechanically recycle, for example, those cotton fibres, but to retain or to increase the size of those fibres. So that's that's just one example of a mechanical cotton recycling process. Okay, chemical? Yes. So then we have the chemical recycling. And chemical recycling is a very broad term. And included within that is thermomechanical, thermochemical and chemical recycling. 
And within those three broad chemical recycling processes, they use a combination of heat or pressure or chemicals or a gasification process to break down the fibres or to break down the material. They typically focus on synthetic or polyester materials um, where they would break the polyester down into its polymers or its individual monomer state, which can then, uh, you can recover the polyester and in some processes, for example, producing PET pellets similar to virgin quality that could then be respun into polyester fibres, uh, replacing those virgin polyester fibres. Mechanical recycling is a lot better established. It's happened for many more years, whereas chemical recycling and everything that's included within that broad overarching phrase of chemical recycling is reasonably new. It's interesting because at the moment, the most advanced and developed and readily available textile fibre-to-fibre recycling processes are available for cotton, predominantly to take a feedstock of cotton. We see quite a big gap in the sector at the moment for recycling technologies available to take polyester feedstocks. Um, So there's a gap there of development, but there are, I would say, just in the last 18 months to two years, a huge number of new fibre-to-fibre recycling technologies that are developing, they're starting to build pilot plants, they're starting to take feedstocks of polyester and some blends of materials to start scaling up these textile recycling facilities. Okay, so if I understand you, we need both mechanical and chemical recycling, correct? Yes, absolutely. It's not going to be an either or. I don't believe it will be an either chemical or mechanical. We will need a combination of both technologies in the future. And that's down to the number of different fibres and materials that we use to produce clothes these days. So as I mentioned, mechanical recycling is maybe more suitable for our cotton materials to recycle those, whereas a chemical recycling process may be more suitable for our synthetic polyester fibres. Due to the amount of different fibres that we use on the market, it will definitely be a, a combination in the future. So I can imagine you will separate your cotton feedstock will be sent to one cotton recycler or a a cellulistic recycler, whereas your synthetics and blends of materials will be sent to some different textile recycling. So in the future, we'll need an ecosystem of many different types of recycling technologies available to take the many different types of materials that we're producing. Okay, so can you, you've talked about chemical and mechanical, and you've talked about collections. In in my head, I would like to picture how this process works. So let's say we've collected the material. What happens after that? Yes, so today as the infrastructure stands, we collect the material, it arrives or it will be sent to a, a manual sorting facility where we can manually sort out and grade those textiles for reuse. So that's a very important part of the value chain. 
Um, and it's very different to the value chains that we typically see where we're collecting paper or we're collecting plastics. Those can be fed directly into a an automized sorting facility. Whereas with textiles, we first need to ensure that whatever textile we've collected, it needs to be manually sorted to pick out the reusables. And that's a very human process of is it fashionable? And you don't see that changing, correct? No, I don't see that changing okay. in the near future. It's a very manual process, being able to identify, being able to touch and feel the material. Then from what we've collected and manually sorted and picked out the reusable textile, we have a, a fraction of textiles that can't be reused. So this is the fraction that we're now focusing on feeding into these high-value recycling processes. But before that happens, we need to automize the sorting of that, which means typically with post-consumer collection of textiles, that will include any number of different types of materials. So it will include some polyester, it will include cotton, it will include blends of materials, it will have polycotton tops and uh, many different types of materials within that collection. So to be able to feed the materials into a high-value recycling system, first we need to separate out all of the individual garments into their product type. So that would mean automizing the sorting to say, here is your polyester feedstock, here is your cotton feedstock, here is your polycotton feedstock, for example, here is your wool. Once we have them separated, there's then a pre-processing step that would need to take place. So you would have recovered your polyester garments and before they can be fed into one of the polyester recycling technologies, you need to, for example, remove the buttons and zippers, metal hard parts, and any other material or contamination that might be harmful to that recycling process. All of the, or many of the different recycling processes have different feedstock specification requirements. So some might be able to take a lower threshold, so they could take pure polyester, but then also some blends of polyester with 10 to 20% of other fibres mixed in whereas some other recycling technology might have quite a strict specification requirement, so they could only take very pure polyester, for example. So there will be different processes to separate out different specifications and different feedstocks to go to different recyclers. They, sh they would be pre-processed and then connected to the higher value recycling process. Okay. And just to take a step back, um, you've mentioned the word several times, and, and I'm not accustomed to hearing it in the, in the sense of textiles. When you talk about textile feedstock, what are you talking about? So textile feedstock is, it can be two things. So the feedstock could be the textile that we are feeding into an automized sorting facility. So after it's been collected, manually sorted, that material that is left over and it can't be reused, that is a feedstock that we can provide to automized sorting. And then we also have a feedstock after the automized sorting. So once we've once we have these 
polyester and this cotton that can go to recycling, that's then a feedstock. It's a material that we can provide to the recyclers for them to put into their recycling process. So we have sort of a front-end feedstock and a back-end feedstock, if you will, I guess. Yes, yeah. Okay. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, subscribe, and turn on notifications. To comment on this episode, visit circular-economy.tamra.com slash podcast.